Welcome to the Rob Rants Podcast. This is Rob, your host, and this is episode two. I wanted to do an episode about a game called Valiant Hearts from Ubisoft. The game came out uh, a few years back. Um, I remember it getting uh, very, very good reviews. And I don't know what was happening at the time. I think I just missed it. Um, if you check your, if you're a PlayStation user, uh, you may have redeemed it uh, on PS Plus. Uh, I highly recommend it. But the first thing that got me into playing Valiant Hearts was uh, a couple months back. I ended up um, watching a, uh, I guess it's a movie documentary kind of style um, on Netflix called All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, so for people that don't know, uh, it's a movie set in 1917. Uh, it's three years into the First World War. If you're okay with like reading subtitles and stuff, I know some people don't. It's a very interesting but a very brutal story uh, about uh, these people that are fighting for their countries. Not many people know uh, a lot about World War I, similar to me. World War I was not something that I was familiar with. Uh, but this movie did a lot to kind of make you understand the different sides. Um, so as the film goes on, it was just very shocking, all the horrific things. Of course, it's it's a war movie, but I didn't understand how many um, how many people obviously have died, but also in the brutal way that they did. Uh, the technology that they used for the first time, like they used poison gas. It was the first time they had machine guns and tanks. It, it was just very brutal seeing like people running straight for like a Gatling gun or a machine gun of sorts and just getting torn apart. Um, if you're not squeamish, I highly recommend this this movie. And, and after I watched it, it kind of just made me want to look for um, other games that talk about the, the First World War. I know um, I mentioned in our group chat that I have with a couple of friends. Um, and uh, one of my buddies, Anko, mentioned Valiant Hearts, along with, um, I think it was Battlefield, uh, which I did play, but I I kind of felt like I rushed through it because it was like a shooter, so I just didn't really care about the story. I was kind of just going in and, you know, doing my thing and then finishing the game. So I might end up going to uh, back to uh, Battlefront, or sorry, Battlefield, um, and checking that out as well, but uh, I ended up going through Valiant Hearts instead. So Valiant Hearts uh, actually is set on the border of France and Germany. Uh, and as the game goes on, you play uh, as five different characters, each with their own goals and motivations, uh, while obviously trying to survive the war. There's no spoken dialogue at all, aside from like the narrator telling the story. Um, so you get the most of the story through the narration, as well as reading uh, through little... Um, uh, items that you pick up and things like that, which was one of the coolest things um, about this game besides like, you know, the interactive, you know, it's like a 2D puzzle type of game. So you're, you know, going from side to side, uh, picking up items uh, that you would need to, you know, um, solve a puzzle in the game. So for instance, you know, the one of the first things they teach you is just, oh, okay, you grab a grenade, you can aim it at this, you know, wooden plank and then it explodes. And now obviously you can move forward. But it, it was really cool because you pick up these items um, throughout the game and it kind of teaches you uh, about the time period and the history of what was going on. So like, for example, I, I found like a dart on the ground. And fun fact, 
So this is from the game, and I'll quote this. It says, these darts were dropped onto the trenches from Zeppelins uh, or an aircraft. Due to the velocity of the impact, their heavy tips were capable of piercing through anything between them and on, on the ground, including helmets and soldiers' skulls, which is fucking crazy that people did this and did this to each other. So um, another example, an, an item I found uh, was a urine-soaked cloth. Again, looking in the menu for an explanation, this is what it said, and I quote, uh, the only defense against a gas attack before mask were, masks were introduced uh, was to cover the nose with a urine-soaked handkerchief. Urine reacts with chlorine directly in the handkerchief to form less noxious products, limiting the effects. It was not the most hygienic solution, obviously, but it was better than a lung full of hydrochloric acid. So this is uh, the type of things that you would learn uh, while playing this game. And it's, you know, it really, despite its brutality and, and the war and things like that, it was, it was really interesting to learn uh, about that time period in World War I. Um, the game isn't too long either, uh, which is nice. I think I was able to get through it in about six and a half hours. I had to look at uh, a guide a couple of times uh, for some puzzles, but for the most part, it's pretty uh, straightforward and simple. Um, if it's something up your alley, I think a lot of people enjoy it. And it's probably one of those games that, you know, was under the radar and people haven't, uh, gave it a shot, but it, it's really cool. Like, uh, the characters in the game, uh, there was a, um, I think it was a farmer who ends up getting recruited, uh, on the French side. And then there was the son who was from France, but moved to Germany before the war started. And then he had to fight on the German side. Um, and then the son ended up having, you know, a child. And then as the war broke out, uh, he wasn't able to, you know, see the birth of his kid. And then it, it was really cool to, to kind of see and play from different points of views and having, you know, the father uh, trying to, you know, reunite with his son and his wife and things like that. So uh, it's a really touching story and just very heartbreaking what happens at the end i'm not going to spoil anything for that uh just oh man it's such a brutal thing to be going through war and, and all the different stories that that people have uh during these these times so i'll, I'll definitely recommend this it's, it's something cool to check out um it kind of just opens your world up to to what happened in the past and something that we obviously don't want to uh repeat uh so sorry if this is a little bit of a downer <laughs> but uh yeah i really really enjoyed this game so check it out the next topic i wanted to bring up was um the steam deck because i recently purchased uh the steam deck and i kind of want to share my experience with everyone i think the tech is really fucking cool uh, it's pretty awesome. I think I'm um, not done yet modifying and doing what I want uh, with it. Uh, so it's taking me a little bit of time to kind of get used to everything. But overall, the machine is awesome. So powerful. It makes the switch look like shit. Uh, I don't even know why. I guess it's one of those things with Nintendo where I feel like I love the idea of what they do and the innovation 
in how they use their new technology with games. I'm not saying like they're on the higher end of anything at all, but you know, they had the Wii and they tried the Wii U, which failed. And they have the, you know, the Switch obviously now. Uh, but I, I'm kind of like done with the Nintendo products. I feel like every time I buy a console, I play like two games and I stop playing anything with them. I ended up buying the $400 Steam Deck and then getting uh, one terabyte SD card. And I think that's the sweet spot. And I think everyone should probably go down that path if they're thinking about getting um, a Steam Deck. I was able to kind of get as many games downloaded onto the SD card as I could. So I mostly wanted to get this to emulate. I got my Game Boy Advance games on there, Game Boy Color games, uh, Sega Genesis, and I'm adding more and more as time goes on. But it's, it's really cool. The tech is really awesome. Everything works fairly seamlessly. And I was able to sign up for Game Pass for a dollar to try it out. And there's a way to have Game Pass work on the Steam Deck as well. It's, a, it's not like the best app on the Steam Deck, but it does work. It has to go through the cloud. So there's not a native app through Xbox, or through Microsoft uh, for the Steam Deck yet. I don't know if they will end up doing something like that. That's a, a little bit more uh, seamless, but it does work. So it's really cool being able to have all these games onto a, a portable uh, system. Um, unlike, you know, with Nintendo, it's just, obviously they're just their games and some third party games and things like that, but it's just the emulation portion of it is just amazing. And it just, again, it makes the switch look like shit. I was watching the, uh, Nintendo direct recently and they're showing all these games and, it, you know, I, I watch their directs a lot, but it's one of those things where I feel like nothing that they do anymore is up my alley or anything like that. They showed off a remaster for Metroid Prime, which was really cool. Uh, it really, it looks really, really good. It kind of tempted me to do that, but then I'm like, eh, I could just emulate this, uh, figure it out, and then I wouldn't even need to like buy anything on the Switch. And I know people are like, oh, don't emulate, blah blah blah, buy games. And I'm, I, I, I'm totally for that, but I'm kind of with the Steam Deck. I'm just kind of going balls to the wall with emulation. So that's kind of a what I've been doing with that. As far as battery life goes, I know people were kind of weary of it. And depending on the game you play, you can get like a few hours, I would say anywhere from four to six hours. You can also tweak the settings, which is one of the beauty parts of the, the Steam Deck where you can tweak it uh, to save more battery life as well, whether it's the frames per second or you know the stability portions of, of things. So you can kind of tweak it as you go. So if you're, you know, someone like me who likes to mess around with tech and kind of, you know, not hack, but, you know, quote unquote, hack things and, and kind of modify or homebrew things that, that it's just like a perfect machine. And even if you don't like doing that, it's still a really cool machine that you're able to play all of your Steam games and sign into your account and play shit on the go. Um, I downloaded Skyrim again and started playing that uh, for the bazillionth time. And it's a blast, man. It's it's so cool being able to to play all this shit all in one thing. I'm trying to think of anything else that I did with it besides Game Pass and then the emulation for older systems. I think eventually I'll try to get into the GameCube, um, the N64, and kind of go up from there. Um, I was able to do some emulation on my Mac uh, for PS1 and PS2 games. So that's going to be... The next steps for it and there's a lot of uh different like 
homebrew apps that you can use, which I haven't even gone down that road yet. There's like a VLC uh, app to watch like, you know, your own movies and, and shows and things like that too. So there's a lot of cool things that you're able to do with it that I still have discovered. I've had it for a couple of weeks now, but I've been pretty busy. So I haven't found the, the right time to deep dive into it. Uh, the first two days that I had it, I was basically learning the tech and then trying to figure out emulation, at least the old school shit and putting that on there. So really, really cool shit. I'm trying to think of anything else that I got to do with it that, I mean, you can hook up a mouse and keyboard uh, to it as well, which is really nice, especially when you, you're trying to use the, the virtual keyboard on there. It takes a long time uh, when you're uh, downloading applications. So you're able to plug in whatever you want uh, to the machine and, and you can do HDMI out. So you can plug it into a TV if you want to, plug in a, a controller if you would like as well. Uh, so that's an option, even though you know it's more of a, a portable machine. I don't know if I, I find myself using it outside the home too much, but obviously on vacations and stuff would be nice to kind of connect uh, and play some games. And, and again, I was able to download so much on the uh, one terabyte SD card. I still have plenty of room on there, but I mean, it was a great value because it's 400 for the, the base model console and then another 120 bucks, I think it was for the one terabyte. So I feel like looking at the specs of all three options, I mean, it, it's a little bit faster with the SSD for the higher end ones, but not by much. I think I read something that was like 14% or something like that. So it's not like a crazy amount. Uh, so I just opted for going down the lower um, end Steam Deck and then just buying more memory. And I feel like that's going to be the best bet. I mean, if you're looking at a Switch, I think, what are they now, like 350 something like that in that price range? So, I mean, at that point, if you're not just looking for Nintendo games and you want something like if you're PC driven or you're into modifying things like that, this is like a perfect, perfect machine. I'm, I would highly recommend it. And it's, it's really awesome. And I'm sure like later down the line, we'll have Steam make another uh, version of this. Um, I mean, I'm sure they're going to support this console uh, for quite a bit, but I'm sure they're going to, they're already thinking about what they want to do for the next one because they can do that and i think the battery life is going to be the biggest thing to get um get the console to be longer lasting i think that would be a hit little tweaks here and there and their updates are really good and you know i'm just ready to to keep messing with it so pretty cool shit i'm ready for uh ready for more technology to be similar to this this has been another episode of the rob brands podcast if you liked what you heard and want to support me Please go to the listening app of your choice like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts to subscribe and leave a review. If you would like to contribute to the show with your questions, comments, or a rant of your own, please email me at robrants88 at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 443-593-4440. Appreciate your time and support. Until next time, peace.